guys, it's Jasmine, and welcome to episode one of Cliteracy. I am so excited to be doing this, you guys. If you've known me for quite some time, you've known that I've been going back and forth on the idea of starting a podcast like this for almost two, three years now. Um, With everything in place in our country right now and with quarantine in place, I decided that it's finally time to bite the bullet and jump the gun and just start this little project of mine. Um... If you follow me on Instagram or Snapchat, you know that I've also been going on a lot more rants than usual about sexuality and sex positivity and sex in general, and I decided it's also time to give all my followers and friends a break because it's a lot. Um, One of my friends, she texted me the other day and she's like, I went and got coffee with this person and he was like, I really liked what Jasmine put on her story, the video, and she literally could not place which video that her friend was talking about because of how many that I post. So with that being said, I decided if we're going to be talking about really important issues like sexuality, um, double standards, shame, insecurity, guilt, relationships, cheating, abuse, all that jazz, there needs to be, I don't know why I just said there like that, but there needs to be a level of vulnerability between you and me. And if I'm going to get personal with you guys, I ask that you kind of do the same thing. So I decided to start off this episode by telling a story that's really personal to me. And I think that it highlights a lot of the great aspects of sex, but it also highlights a lot of the not so great aspects of sex. So it kind of wraps it all up in one. And that's the story of actually how I lost my virginity. But before I get into it, I ask that you just take a moment to really open your hearts and open your minds because this podcast is going to be talking about a lot of uncomfortable things or things that are taboo or things that aren't normally talked about in such a public setting. And I encourage you to get comfortable with your uncomfortability because you will be uncomfortable at some points. How I was uncomfortable when I started this journey of being really open about my sexuality and my sex positivity. So I encourage you, open your hearts, open your minds. So before we get into the story of how I lost my virginity, I do have to give you some background leading up to it so that you can really understand where my mindset was and how I was doing as a whole. Um, So first two years of high school, if you knew me, First of all, I apologize because I was so freaking annoying back then. I still am, but I was like on levels that I could not even understand. And so I was screechy and I was loud and I was obnoxious as fuck. But I was also super, super, super adamant on saving myself for marriage. So if you know me, you know that I am a woman of faith. I really hate putting it that way, but I am a Christian. I do love me some Jesus. I love me some God. And so first two years of high school, I was determined and I was so sure of myself that I would not be losing my virginity until there was a ring on my left finger and I was married. Like I just, I thought that was the way it was going to go. I had a bunch of purity rings and everything. Like I think I had four purity rings at one point because I kept losing them and then buying a new one and then finding the one that I lost. And it was just a whole mess because I wore them all the time. I had them on like necklaces. I had them on my ring finger. I was that bitch. Like you walked around and you saw me with a freaking purity ring. 
at all times. <laughs> and so if you asked anyone, they were like, yeah, she's saving herself. Like she won't do anything but blow jobs and hand jobs. Okay. And even then it was really tough to like get me to do that with you because I had just gotten out of a really abusive relationship. So I wasn't really looking for an actual relationship. That is until halfway through my junior year of high school, my best friend ended up asking me out and was like, Hey, we should, uh, go out. Actually, that whole story is completely whack. I mean, I totally remember it. He was like, um, you've been, uh, touchy-feely with me ever since you came back from winter break. And, um, do do you like, like me or something? And I was like, what? I gave you a hug, bro. Like, what are you talking about? And then he was like, um, uh, um, and then I was freaking out because I was like, what is he on? And I ran over to my friend's house and I pretended to get drunk so that I could avoid talking to him, but I've, I don't drink. And so he was like, Jasmine, what are you doing? Why are you drinking? And I was like, oh, um, this number's blocked. Like I remember at one point sending a text message that said like, this number cannot be reached anymore because it's been changed because I was having so much anxiety about like what was about to go down. Cause I obviously knew that he was going to tell me he liked me and I was just really nervous. So not only did I pretend to get drunk, I pretended to block his number. And then finally he was like, Jasmine, why are you acting like this? And I was like, do you have something to say? Just say it. And he was like, okay, fine. I kind of like you. And I was like, oh my God. And I chucked my phone against the wall, right? And it fell behind a couch. And so my friend had to like get a broom and get my phone. And then she responded for me and was like, I kind of like you too, dot, dot, dot. And then this man's, this is all over Snapchat too. This man's hits me with the so do you want to unofficially officially date? Because like I said before, I had just gotten out of a really abusive relationship two years prior. So I didn't really just get out of it, but I really didn't want to date in high school as a result of it. And so he was like, we can unofficially officially date. So technically you're not dating in high school, but technically we're dating. I don't know why, but that logic really worked on me back then. So halfway through junior year, I found myself unofficially, officially dating this boy and everything was fine and dandy or so I thought Um, for the first seven months, obviously like things aren't like the things aren't perfect, you know, like they're never perfect. And I was dealing with a lot of my own like baggage and stuff like that. And so I thought in my like during that time with everything going on, things were good. Things were great. Um, that is until I found out that he had cheated on me for the very first time. And keep in mind, I get cheated on a lot in this relationship, but the first time I was cheated on was like a complete blow to my system. Like it was one of the worst things that I went through in high school. I would say not in my life because like I've been homeless and shit, but in high school, that was one of the hardest things that I've ever been through. And I remember it so vividly. Like, I have a really shit memory because of the trauma, as I like to put it. For me to actually remember that day and remember everything that went down so vividly, that's how you know, like, it's ingrained in my brain. Like, that was some shit that I thought I was going through. So my friend calls me up and she's like, hey, Jasmine, I don't know if this is true, but I was at a party the other day and -and so-and-so told me that your boyfriend is sending girls dick pics again and asking for nudes again. 
And if anyone knows my ex-boyfriend, I'm not going to get too much into it because obviously this is his story and this is his testimony. But in spring semester of sophomore year and in the summer leading up to junior year, he kind of got lost himself and he went to a really bad place and he was just struggling a lot. And he ended up asking a lot of girls for um, nudes and sending a lot of unsolicited dick pics. And so he really tarnished his reputation during that time. And for me to hear that he was doing that again really broke my heart because my friend, she was like, listen, the person who initially told me, we both know that he has major beef with your boyfriend. Like we both know that he does not like him. And so I don't know if he is totally telling the truth, but another girl at this party who doesn't even go to the same school as us, who isn't even like really our friend, like she has no reason to lie, you know, told me that it's true. She told me that she received one from him a couple of months ago. And I remember standing in my room, I was about to get dressed for work and I felt my heart break. I was like, oh my God. My boyfriend at the time was in Mexico and I called him up or at least I tried to because obviously the connection was shit since he's in Mexico. But I start texting him and I'm like, hey, I need you to be completely honest with me right now. Is there anything that you need to tell me? And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, there's nothing I need to tell you. Like, what? I went, I'm going scuba diving. Like, that was like the shit he was hitting me back with. And I was like, no, like, please tell me if there's anything that you've been keeping from me. And he was like, what are you talking about, Jasmine? Like, there's nothing I've been keeping from you. And so I drive to work and I'm at work. And this whole like situation was like two and a half hours. And it was so freaking draining because I'm trying to help customers. I'm trying to be at work. And I'm also trying to like beg my boyfriend to tell me that he cheated on me because for the first hour, he was actively denying it because ultimately I was like, listen, I was told this. Is this true? So for the first hour, he's like actively denying that he did it. Then for the next hour, he's like making up like seven different stories. Like I remember one of them was like, oh, OK, I did send it to her, but um. She was telling me about like going to the nail salon and she was asking me what color she should do her nails. And I meant to send you this picture, but I accidentally sent it to her and I'm so sorry. Like it was meant for you. And I was like, the caption of your photo was literally Jasmine and I are on a brink. Weaky face. So your story makes no sense. And then he ultimately ended up just being like, okay, I did it. Like I, I was sending nudes. And I remember the moment he did that, it was like so much relief because it was like, I no longer have to beg this out of him. I no longer have to be like, please be honest with me. Like, please just give me the courtesy, the respect of being honest with me. He like finally told the truth. And every tear that I had been holding back started to fall at work. And if anyone knows me, you know that I wear like thick black eyeliner. So when I'm crying, you know I'm crying because it is going down my face. It is black. It is vibrant. It is there. And so I remember having to like go out and help a customer as tears were just streaming down my face. I was full on sobbing. Like I was hiccuping. I'm pretty sure I had snot dripping from my nose. Like it was a, I was a mess. It looked gross. And this poor customer didn't know what to do because he's like standing there with his son and he's like trying to make small talk with me as I'm like actively crying. And he's like, oh, like, 
is it allergies? And I was like bawling my eyes out and I couldn't even get a sentence out. And I was like, no, like my boyfriend just told me he cheated on me. And the guy's face was so funny. Like if I could take a picture of it, I have a mental screenshot of it because it is so funny. I remember him looking like, oh my God, I should not have asked. I should have just paid, gotten my Froyo and left the store. Um, but he ended up saying, don't worry, like there are a bunch of fish in the sea. And he tipped me a dollar because I think he felt super bad for me. But after that, I realized that there was no way I could continue to work four more hours. Like there's just no way I was not in the mental spot to do that. And so I called my dad up and I was like, Hey dad, like I really need you to come cover for me. And I'm pretty sure my dad had like a date or something. And so he was like, Oh really? Like, why do you need me to cover for you? Like, why? What's the reason? Are you sick? Because Um, funny enough, my dad literally never covers for me if I'm feeling a little woozy. Like he's just like, nah, go, go for it. You're fine. Um, wait, fuck. I probably shouldn't be saying that with like everything going on. I mean, like if I have a cold, okay, he's not going to cover for me if I have a cold. If I had Corona, he would be like, get the fuck out. We shutting down. But, (laughs) um, let me go back. Okay. So I call him. I'm like, dad, like I really need you to come to work. And I finally had to tell him like, okay, fine. I was cheated on. And so my dad he was a homie. He was like, okay, I got you. Like, I'll come to work. And then he comes to work and he's like, I had a date. She was really hot. I'm doing this for you. Like, I like basically like I'm the greatest dad ever because I'm covering for you. So you owe me. And I was like, okay, dad. Um, but I ended up leaving and I went and I met up with my friend who told me initially what had happened. And I was just a mess. And she was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to air my dirty laundry, which you should never do after a breakup. Just don't do it, you guys. It's not worth it. Like, it's just, there's just no point to do it. I was very immature when I decided to do that. I, it was justified, first of all. Like, I was justified in doing that, but it was a very immature move of me, you know? Like, I could have acted in a more mature way. But I'm sure a lot of you guys know Um, if you don't, I basically got all of his shit in a little gift bag and I wrote for the cheater on it in huge black letters. And I took a picture of it on his, I like went and dropped it off to his house and I took a picture of it both on his driveway and on the front of his door. And I posted it to Snapchat and I kind of let the world go crazy because Obviously, like you see anyone get cheated on and then like they post it on social media, like it's it's gonna spread. Like it's it's a piece of gossip, like it's it's hot, it's a hot topic. So I remember like, okay, like I'm done with him, like boy bye, like we're done. And the next day I actually ended up taking like tell him boy bye pictures, and it was a whole thing. Like I remember feeling so cool because I like went to the beach and I took like bikini pictures. And then I captioned it like, tell him boy bye. And like everyone was commenting and they were like, you're awesome. Like you're so hot. And I was like, ooh, look at that validation. Like I like got so much validation from that post. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, I was like, ooh, like I'm really hot shit right now. Really because I got cheated on. Um, But that day was also so hard for me because I remember waking up to like a dozen text messages. They were all paragraphs. And They were all from him, and I remember, like, him saying, like, he basically confessed his love for me after seven months. He was like, I'm in love with you, and I know I shouldn't be saying it right now, but it's true, and I can't not tell you it. 
And I I had to read all those before I took those pictures. And I had just done my makeup and I was getting all these text messages. And then I started bawling again, once again, as I do because I'm an emotional bitch. And I called my friend like literally like scream sobbing. Like I've never cried harder than I cried on my bedroom floor because I was curled up on my bedroom floor crying and she like sprinted over from her house and like broke into my house because she knows my garage code and she just like held me as I cried and it was really hard like it was really hard to get up and like put on my makeup again and go out and take those pictures but I did it and if you commented on that post I appreciate it because it made me feel really good because at that time I was feeling like complete shit but after I took those Talon Boy Bye pictures, it was like obviously time to actually break up with this person. And during this time, when well, be, before like this actual like moment in our relationship, he used to always tell me like, promise me that you will never break up with me over text. Promise me you'll never break up with me over text, that you'll always do it in person. And I was like, I promise. And then that day, the day I took all those like bikini pictures and I thought I was hot shit, um, he texted me and he was like, don't worry about breaking up with me in person. We can be broken up. Like we can just do this over text. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, no way are you not owning up to what happened? Like, there's no way that we are not going to do this in person because you need to look me in the eye and you need to own up to what you did. Like you need to look me in the eye and you need to see how much I'm hurting right now. And he was like, okay. So he gets back from Mexico and you guys, I planned out this breakup. Like I thought I was so cool. It is one of the weirdest breakup stories ever. And like him and I have like, we have three breakup stories in total. This one takes the cake for like our weirdest breakup. Like I, I don't even think this, like the, there's nothing normal about the way that we broke up. So I was like, we are going to go to the lookout. And he was so hurt by that because I, okay background on the background I absolutely hate sunsets like I hate watching them I think there's no point I don't get why you would want to go on a sunset date like I know that's what a lot of people like to do they like to go and watch the sunset and make out or whatever but I hate it like I just I freaking hate it and I hate whenever people like post like 25 pictures of like cotton candy skies it's just so annoying but he loved sunsets and he was always trying to get me to go on a sunset date and so I was like, you know what? We're going to go to the lookout because I know that he has been trying to get me to go to the lookout for seven months. And that's really going to hit him where it hurts when we go to the lookout and I break up with him. He picks me up and he's like driving to Solana Beach. And I remember like we have not said a single word to each other. Like I didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to say. And all of a sudden he starts like hitting the steering wheel and crying. And I was like sitting there and I was so uncomfortable that I started to laugh because I like didn't know what to do. And he's just like punching the steering wheel as we're on the five. And I was like, oh my God, like maybe he's going to like kill me. Like that was the first thought that ran through my mind because childhood trauma. We get to the lookout and we're like laying in the backseat of his car, but we like didn't open his trunk. Because like, obviously like we were having, like we were having a conversation. Like I was like, how could you do this to me? And he was like, I don't know. And it was a whole thing. And then at one point, I'm pretty sure I like had him bring the Bible. And I was like, you need to read Proverbs all about adultery because you did adultery to me, even though he didn't. But <laughs> I was like, 
like, let me bring the Bible in, you know, God is smiting you. Because at that point, that was like my mindset, which like, that's not true. No one should have that mindset as a Christian. That's a whole different story. But at that moment, like, I was like, oh yeah, like, let's bring the Bible into it. Let's make this even more official than it already is. And so he's like reading the Bible and like crying and I'm crying. And then we start to make out. And then I'm like, get off me. Like, we're breaking up. We can't make out. And then he like goes back to reading the Bible and then like, okay, you're, you're listening to this and you're like, okay, like, yeah, then they're done. No, we ended up going to Taco Bell after. Don't ask me why, but I was like, I want Taco Bell and you're going to freaking pay for it because you broke up with me. I mean, you cheated on me. Sorry. Um, so we're at Taco Bell. We're sitting in the Taco Bell parking lot. I think, I don't even remember, like we're, like we're eating our crunch wraps and our Baja Blast. I'm crying. He's still crying. I'm pretty sure at one point his mom texted him and was like, so this is a really long breakup, huh? And he was like, yeah. Um, but after a solid like six hours of breaking up, yeah, that's how long this whole process was. He drives me back home and he gives me a letter. And I'm pretty sure I gave him a letter too. And it was once again like reiterating everything he had said on the day I took all those pictures about like how he loves me and how he's in love with me. That was really hard to read. Um, it also made me laugh because like the first thing was an office quote. And I was like, that is so him to freaking put an office quote and him like confessing his love for me and like apologizing for cheating on me. So you would think like we had broken up at that point. We didn't. And I know we said we broke up, but we really didn't because even when we were breaking up, we were talking about getting back together. Like that was the only thing on our mind was getting back together because up until this point, like this person had been my best friend. He had been like my best friend. He was my person and I didn't really know how to do life without him. And that's like a really tricky situation to be in when you put so much of yourself into another person, especially in high school. But that was where I was at that point. I, we kept talking. We were like, okay, we're going to give each other a solid month. No talking. We're just going to focus on ourselves. We're going to heal from this and then we're going to come back to each other and we're going to see if we can get back to each other. That really did not work out. Um, I'm pretty sure like five days later, my birthday, it was my birthday. And I was like, can you please come to the birthday dinner with me? Because he had already been invited. And I was like, let's just pretend that we're dating for a little while longer. Because I don't want to have to explain to my family members that like you cheated on me and we broke up. And I just don't want to do that. So will you just come with me? And he was like, yeah, of course, I'll come with you. So we pretended to date for a little longer. And then we... um quote-unquote broke up but we kept talking because we did not break up um the only time that like I can really call a breakup period is the two weeks that he left for camp and this is where my mindset really changed okay this is where something shifted in my mindset in regards to the whole not having sex before marriage and so he went up to this camp in northern California for two weeks and he didn't have any data and didn't have any service so we like genuinely could not text each other because during that entire time we were like we can't be talking to each other, but I saw this song and I thought of you and like that sort of shit. And so we really weren't giving each other space until these two weeks. And I remember in those two weeks, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have sex with him. Like I'm going to give him my virginity. And I don't really know how I got to that conclusion, but I remember thinking if I give him this gift, if I give him something that I think is so special because I mean, I was literally saving my virginity for my husband. Like this was like one of like the, like the thing, one of the things that I held so close to my heart 
because it was like to me it was like a symbol of like I love you like I love you so much that I'm giving this to you you know and so in that moment I was like you know what maybe I can give this to him and he can see how much he means to me and he won't cheat on me again he won't do the unthinkable to me again he won't like ever hurt me in that way again newsflash that is one of the worst mindsets to have when going into losing your virginity, going into sex in general. First of all, that did nothing. Like he went on to cheat on me multiple times. But when you go into sex with that mindset, when you go into sex with the mindset, like maybe I can gain something from this person. Maybe I can gain their love. Maybe I can gain their affection. Maybe I can gain their respect. That is not a person whose dick you want entering into your vagina. They should not give you those things on the condition that you are giving them sex, even in a situation of like a hookup or a one night stand, because there's always going to be an emotional tether between you and that person. You may never see them again, but if, if he's not giving you the respect or the love or whatever it is that you are deserving of prior to entering into like a sexual relationship or a sexual moment with him or her, it is not, he, they are not worth your time. Like it is not worth your time. And so for me to go into like the, like un- into this whole situation with the idea that like maybe this will make him see that I am more than enough for him. Maybe this will make him see that I am worthy for him. Maybe this will make him see that I like that he shouldn't look anywhere else because I am worthy. I am enough. That was a terrible mindset to have. And th- in those moments, I didn't know that myself. Like I didn't look at myself and think like, I am worthy of so much more. I didn't look at myself and think like, I am worthy of respect. I didn't look at myself and think like, you know what? No, I don't deserve to be treated like shit. I was like, you know what? I'm going to lose my virginity to this boy. Like, I'm going to do it. And he texts me, like after the two weeks pass, he texts me. He's like on the bus coming back. Um, And I remember he was like talking about the fires that had been going on during this time. And he was like going on and on about the fires. And I ended up just hitting him with the, uh, so do you want to have sex? And he was like, what? Like, what the heck? Um, And I was like, yeah, like, do you want to have sex? And he was like, uh, sure. Like, yeah, okay. And then he like went right back into talking about the fires. And I was like, cool, like, let's do it. And so I immediately like start putting this plan into action. I was like, okay, like we're going to do this. And I, I planned this out. Okay. So first step, get on that birth control, right? I go to my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, I need birth control, but not for sex. Don't worry. I need it because my period is irregular. And I heard birth control can help with that. And he was like, I got you. Like, we'll set up the appointment. Your cousin's going to take you because I don't want to take you. And I was like, sounds like a plan. So we show up to my doctor's office. First of all, as we get into the actual story of how I lost my virginity, you will see that this moment is a huge red flag to me in regards to the fact that my doctor's office, they're all rats, okay? They all suck. So I show up to this pediatrician's office. I'm like, hey, I would like birth control. I need to regularize my period. And my doctor looks at me and was like, birth control actually doesn't do that. If you need it for something else, you can let me know. But if you don't, I'm afraid we're done here. Keep in mind, my cousin, who is very Muslim, is in the room with me, right? They didn't even offer me the courtesy of, like, asking her to step out so we could, like, have this conversation. 
she's sitting in the room and the doctor's pretty much badgering me to like flat out say that, yes, I want it for sex. And I'm trying to be like, "Uh, no, I really want it for like my period. And it gets to the point where my cousin literally had to be like, oh my God, Jasmine, like, I know you want it for sex. She wants it for sex. And the doctor was like, there, now that that's out in the air, I can write you a prescription. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that is such a dick move to pretty much like bully it out of me when you can tell that I'm severely uncomfortable with the fact that I'm trying to like not tell my cousin that I'm having sex. Let me tell you, that was one of the most awkward car rides home ever. Like I felt so awkward. Um, But I get on birth control and I'm like, okay, let's wait a week because, you know, got to make sure that stuff is moving through my system. And then I was like, after that week, we can do it. And he was like, okay, cool. And so that week passes. It's time to do the diddly do. And I remember we like meticulously planned this whole thing out. Okay. He goes to Rite Aid to get the condoms. He texts me. First of all, we were two virgins who did not have any ounce of sex education because the public high school system does not do that any good in regards to that area. So he goes to ride it and he's like, uh, which condoms should I get? And I was like, oh, um, hell if I know, like literally you guys, I had no idea going into this that different penises require different condom sizes. Like I didn't even know different condom sizes were a thing. So I was like, just get the light blue Trojan ones. Like those are the ones my dad uses. Don't ask me how I know that, but I just knew that. And my dad doesn't have like a lot of random kids everywhere. So I was like, you know what? Like those will probably work. Like he uses them, we can use them. So he gets those condoms. And now all that was left in our plan was setting a time, okay? I wanted to do it at night in the backseat of his car because hashtag privacy. This man's wanted to do it in the smack dab of the middle of the day in my bedroom. Literally, he was like, I'd really like to do it at like 1 p.m. or something. Why 1 p.m.? I will never understand that. Like why 1 p.m.? So I was like, uh, okay, like I guess we can do it in my bedroom at one in the afternoon, smack dab in the middle of the day. Like I guess that works. So he comes over. I'm ready. I've shaved everywhere. He's ready. He's shaved everywhere. It's time. So, you know, like you go, like, uh, I, I don't know how to start. We start doing the diddly do, kind of, okay? And that's where literally everything goes wrong, okay? Everything. First of all, let me just set the scene. It is one in the afternoon. It is so freaking bright out. Like the sun is shining. I can see everything and like i mean there's no problem with that but when you are having sex for the first time and you're like seeing everything like it's hard to like hide your facial expressions you know obviously we like we start we find out like very soon into this whole situation that the condoms are not the right size and you want to know how we find out because they keep freaking breaking inside of me and i was like oh my god we're on to like our third condom right that shit breaks again. It gets to the point where like I'm laughing so hard because I'm so uncomfortable because it's one in the afternoon and we keep having to switch condoms and then he's getting freaked out by me laughing and so he keeps getting like soft. Oops. So he can't even like keep it up, okay? He can't even keep it up. He keeps like deflating and inflating because I keep laughing at the fact that he's literally like 
I don't know. It was just such an awkward situation. I was like, I just felt so awkward. And he's like, can you please stop laughing at me? And I was like, I literally can't. Like, I'm so sorry. Actually, I know what made me laugh. Okay, there's this position. I don't know why, but it always makes me giggle when men do this. And I call it the Grinch, okay? It's a little hybrid of like missionary that always ends up with like the guy looking like the Grinch. Like, I don't know why. It's just like, he gets like that little pooch and I absolutely love it. I call it the Grinch. He, in that moment, absolutely hated it. He was like, please stop calling me the Grinch. And I was like, <laughs> you look like the Grinch. <laughs> As I'm trying to like lighten the mood because we, it's just such an awkward experience. Like when you lose your virginity, it's so awkward. So we're on to the fourth condom. He's finally gotten it up. Okay, I finally have been able to stifle my laughter. And he finishes. And then we realize the fourth condom also broke. And I was like, oh my God, now I have to go get a fucking plan B. We race over to Rite Aid again. I get my plan B. Well, okay, first of all, I have some beef with the pharmacist lady too, because I go up and I'm like, hey, can I get a plan B? And she's like, we actually don't sell those here. And I was like, I can literally see like four plan Bs right behind you on the counter. And she was like, Oh, well, then I guess you can have one. Like, wh why would you do that to me? Like, you can literally see that I'm sweating profusely. I look like I'm about to start panicking. And then you're trying to tell me that you don't have a plan B when I can clearly see a plan B behind you. Regardless, I run outside. I take this $50 freaking pill in his car. And I'm like, okay, like, we're good. Like, I took the plan B. I'm on birth control. It's fine. We're fine. And like, keep in mind, like, I was really freaked out because this was my first time. And of course, everything that could go wrong started to go wrong. We make our way back to my bedroom. My dad is about to come home from work at any moment. And so I'm like, we need to go into like hyper cleaning mode, okay? I start like frantically throwing all these broken condoms and these condom wrappers into my trash because we have to like dispose of them to where my dad won't be able to see them. And I'm trying to count them all at the same time. And he's freaking out because he's like, oh my daughter. Oh my God, your dad can be home at any moment. And so we're trying to get in and out as quickly as possible. I'm counting the condoms and I'm like, holy crap, we're missing one. Boyfriend, like we're missing a condom. And he's trying to argue with me. He's like, no, we're not. Like we're not. We got to go though, but we're not missing a condom. And I was like, no, like we're, we're genuinely missing a condom. Like, I don't know what to do. And he was like, no, we're not missing a condom. Like, it's okay. And so I was like, oh crap, oh crap. And it's in my mind. He's like, if we're truly missing a condom, just close your door and then find it when you get back later tonight. I totally freaking forget about the stupid missing condom, okay? I totally forget about it. Now, it's the next day. And if any of my seniors know, I don't know why, I just, I always refer to us as seniors. Like, we're always going to be seniors in my mind. But to my graduating class, you guys remember Raven Readiness Days, right? Raven readiness day is like, you know, where you go, you take your school ID and you turn in a bunch of forms. That was literally the day after I lost my virginity. So it's our senior Raven readiness day. I'm ready to go. I have my costume. I'm like a One Direction fan. It was a whole thing. And I get a text message in the group chat. You know, like we all had our friend group chats. I get a text message and someone's like, hey guys, I'm pretty sure we need this form. Like I'm, I'm not totally sure, but I think we need to have this form filled out and signed so we can turn it in. And I was like, okay, I'm going to print out this form and get my dad to sign it. And so I'm like, hey, dad, can you come in here for a moment? And he was like, sure, daughter, in his Middle Eastern accent. He takes the paper from me and he goes and he puts it on my desk, right? Like a normal person to sign it. Except what does he see as he starts to sign the paper? Right there in the middle of my freaking desk is that missing condom. Brand new. 
shiny, light blue, just sitting there. And I'm just like laying in bed as he's signing this. And he picks up the condom and he goes, what is this? And I swear I saw my life flash before my eyes. Like, I swear. I was like, oh my God, I am so screwed. And I'm like laying in bed and I'm like, this is it. Like, I'm about to go and go up to heaven and meet my maker. What should I tell him when I first meet him? Like, I was literally planning like my words to Jesus because I knew that I was completely and utterly screwed in this moment. And so he starts freaking out. He's like, oh my God, what is this? what is this? Like going crazy. And I was like, oh my God. Like I was like, I think I started to like rock back and forth in my bed because I didn't know what to do. And he's like, I'm going to text your mother. I'm going to text your cousin. I'm going to text everyone. What is this? And he's like taking pictures of the condom as if it were a crime scene. Like he's getting it from different angles. It's a whole thing. And I'm like laying in my bed, like, oh my God, oh my God. And I didn't know what to do. Like, I was just like, dad, like, calm down. It's not what you think it is. And he's like, well, then what is it? And he's going crazy. And I didn't know how to respond. So we ended up just like leaving. Like he literally like left the house in like a rage. Like the doors were slammed and everything. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? My boyfriend ends up coming over, right? And I was like, dude, my dad found that condom the one that I said was missing and that you said wasn't missing. And he was like, oh fuck. Because even he knew. I'm Middle Eastern, I'm Afghan. I love being Afghan. But there is an unspoken rule between you and your Middle Eastern father. He will never know that you are dating until you are ready to bring home a husband, okay? Then he can know that you have had one boyfriend, but he cannot know about all the trials leading up to that one person, okay? Let alone, he can never find out that you are no longer the virginal daughter you were born as. So, we go to Raven Readiness. I have that stupid form in my hand. You know what I find out? We didn't even need the freaking form. So I was like pissed off because I was like, oh my God, I didn't even need this form. And now you're telling me that my dad found this condom for no freaking reason, okay? I'm in line. I'm about to get my senior ID picture. I'm trying to, you know, like keep good spirits on, right? Because I knew that when I got home that night, I would be dead. (laughs) I was just like, oh, like my mind was elsewhere, but I'm still in line waiting to get the senior ID photo. All of a sudden, I start getting text messages after text messages from my cousin. She's freaking out. She's like, why is your dad sending me a picture of this condom on your desk? What is going on? What do you want me to say? Like, what is happening? She's going crazy. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to tell my dad that it was just given to me when I got my birth control from my doctor's office. Like that, I feel like that's a good thing. So I text my dad. I'm like, dad, stop freaking out. I promise it was literally just given to me when I got my birth control as a preventative measure. I haven't used it. That's why it's just sitting on my desk because I don't know what to do with it. And he's like, I'll be calling your doctor's office to make sure of that. And I'm like thinking like, okay, he's just being annoying. Like, He's not going to actually do that. Five minutes later, I get a phone call, okay, from my dad. And he's screaming on the top of his lungs. I am literally in line about to get my picture taken. He is screaming on the top of his lungs like, you are lying to me. You are lying to me. I called your doctor's office and they told me they have never ever given out condoms before as a preventative measure. They told me that they don't offer that and that they will never do that because it's a pediatrician's office. And in my head, I was thinking, hmm, 
I should have fucking known that my doctor's office would not have my back the minute that my doctor bullied me into telling her that I had sex. Like, I should have known that that was my first red flag. And so I'm sitting there thinking like, oh my god, fuck you, doctor and doctor's office. And my dad just starts, oh wow, what was that? Ooh, I've been talking too much. Um, My dad just starts going off, okay? He starts going off. Like, he starts calling me a whore. He starts calling me dirty. He starts calling me a slut. Like, every bad name you can think of, he starts calling me that. And he's going crazy. He even hits me with that one point. He was like, you're supposed to be a Christian and you're having premarital sex. And I was like, dad, you're supposed to be a Muslim and you're having premarital sex. But I I did not say that to him. Oh my gosh. No, I could never. He's going crazy. I don't really know what to do. I just, I felt so overwhelmed in that moment that I literally start to cry. And if you guys know me, like I said before, when I cry, okay, you can tell. So I'm in line and the black tears are running down my face as I'm literally bawling my eyes out. And then I'm called up to take my senior ID photo. And I was like, well, everyone kind of knows that I have this reputation for crying. So what's a perfect way to go out my senior year than literally taking a picture of me crying? And so that is how I got my senior ID photo. I end up going to the beach afterwards to hide from my dad because that's just what I was feeling. And I get a phone call from my mom. And This is really ironic because obviously my dad was like expecting my mom to chew my ass out and yell at me and be on his side, but my mom is literally a self-named and a self-defined sexual revolutionist, and she's also a sex therapist, but she focuses solely on like men, so she talks a lot about like the insecurities that men have, the guilt that men have, the shame that men have, and like kind of like the hubris and the pride that men carry when it comes to sex and how that creates a really toxic environment for everyone. So she really like focuses there, not like women and stuff like that, but she calls me and I remember her just starting off the conversation like, you know, Jasmine, you know that I want you to feel comfortable coming to me with anything, you know that. I love you, yada, 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 as like what a wholesome mother does. She ends up taking the conversation into a deeper level. And this is actually something that I really want to talk about on like the first episode. But she, I didn't know this at the time, but she knew that my ex-boyfriend had cheated on me. I had no idea that she knew. I thought like only my dad knew. And then I was keeping it a secret from like her and the rest of my family because I just didn't want them to know. But my dad had actually texted her and was like, don't tell Jasmine that I told you this, but so-and-so cheated on her and she's really upset. And I mean, that was kind of wholesome of my dad too. So she immediately kind of gets into like this deep conversation with me and she's like, listen, you know me, like we're, we're, I'm never going to shame you for having quote unquote premarital sex. I'm never going to shame you. But the only thing that I ask you is what are your intentions going into this situation with this person? What are your intentions? And this is something that I really, I encourage you to take a moment and think of this as well, because we're going to get into actually some of your guys' stories in a moment. But my mom ends up having this conversation with me and she's like, listen, what are your intentions? Are you doing this because you truly want to have sex and you are putting yourself first? You are putting yourself first in the situation? Or are you doing this because you are trying to gain something from him that you believe that you don't already have in yourself? Because at that time, I was literally trying to gain my worth and my validation and my respect and my love for myself from him. 
And those are all things that I carried myself and that I, I had the opportunity to foster in myself. But I was trying to get it from him with sex because at that time, I didn't think that I was worthy enough. I didn't think that I was enough for him. I didn't think that I was something special because he had cheated on me. And that was such a blow to me. I was like, maybe I'm like, re- like really not a great person. Maybe I just suck. And if I give him this, maybe he will view me as enough. Maybe he'll view me as something worth defending and something worth loving. And that's a really shitty mindset to have. I mean, I already mentioned this, but that's a really shitty mindset to have going into any sexual relation. If you don't know your own worth, if you don't know that you deserve to be respected, if you don't know that you deserve to be loved, if you don't know that you deserve like everything in the world, if you don't know how precious and how amazing you are and that you can never be replaced, that you can never be cloned or copied or whatever, If you don't know that about yourself, it's going to be harder for you to confidently walk into a situation and let a guy know what you want. It's going to be harder for you to confidently walk into a situation and be able to leave and put yourself first. It's going to be harder for you to walk into a situation and be like, you know what, actually... I deserve more than this. Even if it's just a one night stand, y'all. It's like, you guys deserve to be respected when you're hooking up with a guy one time. I remember her telling me this and that conversation has always stuck with me. Like, what are my intentions? Not even just in regards to sex, just like, what are my intentions throughout the day? When I wake up, I ask myself, like, what are my intentions for today? And so after I had that conversation with her, it really kind of started to open my eyes to the way that I had entered in to the sex. It took me a while to get there. Keep in mind, like it took me a solid couple of months to get into that mindset and be like, you know what? Like this is why you entered into sex in the first place. This is why it wasn't the greatest decision to enter it into it that way, but this is where you are now and this is how you've grown. I will never regret the way that I lost my virginity. Like I know it is literally everything that can go wrong went wrong when I lost it. I mean, like he couldn't keep it up. Condoms kept breaking. I had to take a plan B. My dad found out, but I owe so much to the way that I lost my virginity because it it sparked so much change in my life. Up until that point, I thought that I was going to be going to a two-year community college. I thought I was going to be going to a two-year community college, um, but it wasn't until I lost my virginity that I realized, you know what? I cannot stay in San Diego anymore. I need to get out and I really need to find myself. And the day after Raven Readiness is when I signed up for the SAT and I started to apply to college literally the next week. So it was like, it was a really fast paced change in my life, but it's the reason that I'm literally studying at at my dream school to this day. And I owe so much to the way that I lost my virginity because it taught me so much about myself. It taught me like so much about who I am and what I'm worthy of and like, It it taught me to be more confident in myself because I came from a place where I was so insecure, but the process of realizing why everything happened allowed me to shed a lot of the shame, a lot of the guilt, a lot of the insecurity that I was carrying. And so I owe so much to my friends and my family and my teacher and even my ex-boyfriend. Like I would not be here talking about this if my virginity story was just like every other virginity story. I mean, I okay, I take that back. I do regret one thing about losing my virginity and that is at one in the freaking afternoon. Why? Why would you pick in the middle of the day? Tell me, tell me why. I will never understand it. I will never get over it. One in the afternoon, worst time to have sex. I mean, I had like when losing your virginity, I had sex plenty of times at one in the afternoon after, but losing your virginity at one in the afternoon is just, no, it's wrong. I do not appreciate it. 
Anyways, going back to what I was originally trying to say, take this moment, or I encourage you guys to take a moment. And I know I said this at the beginning, but I encourage you guys to really open your heart and open your eyes and your ears and your mind. (laughs) Open everything, because I know that there are so many situations where, in general, we have left a situation feeling uncomfortable, feeling guilty, feeling shame, feeling like we were pressured into doing something, feeling wrong, or just beating ourselves up over it. I really wanted to start off this episode and this podcast by sharing a vulnerable story with you. Because when I'm vulnerable, it also puts you in a mindset where you can be vulnerable and really take that moment to self-reflect. I recently went to my Instagram and I asked you guys a bunch of questions about some of the more pressing topics that we're going to be talking about on this podcast. And I really wanted to share some of those results, but I also wanted to take a moment to share some of the things that you guys actually sent into me. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for trusting me to be your guys' voice. Thank you so much for trusting me to be your guys' voice. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage even to send like that first message and to admit or to reflect and look back and be like, you know what? I actually wasn't comfortable in that situation. Or you know what? I actually felt disrespected in that situation. Or you know what? I actually felt guilt over that situation. And I know a lot of you guys might unknowingly be carrying a lot of insecurity or a lot of guilt or a lot of shame. And I'm here to tell you that I'm giving you an opportunity to shed that right now. Because most of the things that you tell yourselves are complete lies. They're complete bullshit. And you might be carrying that weight around, but it doesn't mean that that weight is right in any way. It doesn't mean that the lies you're telling yourself are true in any way. And it took me a really long time to learn that. There is nothing shameful or guilty about having sex. When you enter into situations where you feel as if you aren't being respected, where you feel as if you are being pushed to do something, where you feel as if you cannot confidently tell them, no, I do not like this. No, I'm not enjoying this. No, this hurts. No, I don't like this. If you don't feel like you can do those things, it adds weight onto yourself. Even if it's not your fault, it makes it Like you sometimes trick your mind into believing that it is your fault, that you've done something wrong when that isn't the case. I am going to be sharing the results of some of the questions that I asked you guys. And then I'm also going to be taking a moment to share some of your stories. I I do need to like put a little trigger warning out there. There are some really tough things that some of your fellow friends and the people that you walk among, there's some tough things that they've been through. And so if you are a victim of sexual assault or rape and you need to put yourself first and click off, I encourage you to do so. It is okay to put yourself first. Never feel guilty or shameful for putting yourself first. Alrighty. So I asked if you have ever felt pressure to stay in a situation or to do something because you are afraid or you feel guilty for letting the other party down. And 83.98% of you guys answered yes to that question. One of the other questions that I asked was, do you feel that it's hard to be open about sex and sexuality? Or do you feel like it's hard to be open about sex positivity? 79% of you guys answered yes to that question. For all my ladies, I asked, have you ever felt 
as if there is a double standard when it comes to expressing your sexuality or when it comes to entering any intimate situation. Not even like just vaginal sex, like blowjobs, handjobs, whatever. You know, you know what I'm saying. Have you ever felt that way? And only one of you guys said, no, you have never felt that there is a double standard. Only one of you guys. Over 200 of you guys said, yes, I feel like there is a double standard. And that's why I really want to start this podcast. That's why I really want to get into some of those tough, tougher topics that no one really talks about or that people feel shame learning about or that people feel shame for talking about because we need to discuss these things. We need to be open because, I mean, we all want to have a good time when it comes to sex, okay? We all do, but we can't when there's such a double standard working against us. We can't when it is so taboo for women, in like women in particular, to talk about sex and things like that. So like I said before, we are going to be getting into some of your guys' stories. And I know I already thanked you, but I really want to thank you for sending them in. I know I already thanked you, but I really want to thank you. Anyways, I just want to say thank you so much with trusting me to be your guys' voice. I really want to encourage everyone listening, once again, take a moment to reflect. Have you ever felt as if you have been in a position similar to this? Have you ever felt as if you have been treated like this? Have you ever felt as if you have been disrespected like this? Because I know there are so many of us who have similar stories or have been in similar situations as these people. A few years ago, when I didn't want to have sex, it felt like I did something bad and wrong afterwards. Guy in seventh grade whispered that I turned him on before I even knew what that meant. It was my first time. My ex pressured me for months until I finally gave in, just so he would leave me alone. I definitely wasn't ready for it. And I think I told him that after, but we never addressed it. On a trip with friends, I stayed at his house as a guest. He wouldn't respect that I said no. A boy went further than I wanted him to, and only after did he ask if I was okay with it. Only one guy has said to me, I love you, but you're too tall. I'm six feet. It hurt. After hooking up with this guy, he asked for a second round. And honestly, I wasn't having it. So I said no, and he proceeded to touch and kiss me everywhere to get me in the mood. I still said no, but he stuck his dick in me anyways. I was assaulted, and the guy made it so contrived, like his advances were a part of a routine. He took my nervousness and telling him off as inexperienced, and as a challenge to turn me on. I told him to stop after all my clothes were off, and he waited less than five minutes and laughed. When he was finished having his way with me, he told me he, grossed, he was grossed out that I didn't shave enough. I hope he implodes. This guy kept forcing my head down on his dick and didn't stop till I threatened him, even though I had told him before to knock that shit off. Not wanting to have sex with my boyfriend because I was tired slash not in the mood, but having to do it anyways because he's my boyfriend and he quote unquote deserves it. I was forced to send nudes to a guy who swiped me on Bumble. My now ex-boyfriend pressured me into giving him head on numerous occasions where I told him that I didn't want to right now. I would repeatedly say no, but he would keep pushing until I finally caved. He made me feel incredibly guilty for saying no. There was a guy who insisted I take birth control just so I can have sex with him, even after I said no. I went to hang out with a guy and he was like, let's just watch a movie and kept touching me. I was cuddling with my guy friend once and I was half asleep and I felt him get hard and started grinding on me while I was basically asleep. I was at a party and the boy I liked kept telling me I needed to drink more. Every time I saw him that night, he'd say, we need to get you more drunk. 
Later, he asked me to hook up. I didn't say yes the first two times, but he asked a third. Giving a guy head, he says, it's going in your mouth or on your face. You pick. My ex would make me feel guilty to where I cried multiple times a week because I felt bad for not doing what he wanted me to do. It was all about him, and when I felt uncomfortable, he would talk me into doing stuff and make me feel awful for it. He asked me for head, and I said no, and he kept asking me. And then when I still said no, he asked, why'd you even come? I had been having sex with this guy, and I had just gotten treated for chlamydia, so I felt strongly about using a condom. During sex, he removed the condom, and I told him to stop. He held my body down with all his weight as I tried to push him off. He told me, I like that you don't want it. I can still hear those words echo in my head. When I was about five or six, I was playing with my brother and his friend, and they were around 11 years old. When my brother wasn't looking, his friend started touching me down there. I felt uncomfortable because I knew something wasn't right, but this was before I ever even knew what it was. I felt quite uncomfortable with him after. He moved away a little after. I've only told my best friend. I never told even my mom because I was ashamed of what happened. These are your guys' stories. These are what you guys have been through. But I know that there are a lot of you listening who can recall or who can look back to a similar situation that you've been through. I know that things got a little more serious in the last 10 minutes of that, but I really wanted to share your guys' stories because I want to highlight how important it is to know that your voice carries so much power. You guys, what you've experienced, it holds so much weight. It holds so much power. And even though it's just me telling your stories, you don't like obviously don't feel pressure to like come out and like tell your stories, but I'm saying like even just me sitting here telling your stories, it's so powerful in its own. And this journey that we're going to take on this podcast together is going to be a powerful one. We are going to strip down all of those insecurities, all of those shame, all of everything that is really hindering us from having a good and a fun time when it comes to sex. We're just going to throw it away. We're going to do away with it. And I have a lot of hopes and dreams for this podcast, (laughs) but in all honesty, I have so many great ideas. And I know that this one was more of a serious one where I got really vulnerable with you guys because I want to just show you that. I'm here with you. Like, I've been through this shit with you guys, okay? Like, I know what it's like. And I am so excited for this. And I'm so excited to see where this goes. I hope that you guys gained a lot just from listening to this. Next week is going to be a fun little episode. So I'm going to be talking about one of my sex horror stories. And we're going to be diving into the realm of double standards when it comes to sex in regards to how women almost never come or have an orgasm when they are hooking up with a guy or when they're just having sex with a guy in general and why that is. And I also get to tell you one of my favorite stories. I'm going to call it number 71 because that is what it is on my bucket list. And yeah, thank you so much for listening, you guys. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a good day.